Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Travis Walton case and 20 facts you may not know. That's correct, the Travis Walton case and 20 facts you may not know. Of course, the uh, Travis Walton alien abduction case, uh, it's been almost 50 years now. Now, if we go back and take a look at it, we find out that on, we find out that on November 5th, 1975, in the rugged forest of northeastern Arizona, a group of loggers found themselves at the center of an extraordinary event. Travis Walton, a young and curious member of the crew, was about to have an encounter that would forever change his life. After a long day's work, as the team was heading back home, they witnessed a peculiar light emanating from the nearby trees. Curiosity got the better of them, and they approached the source, a UFO hovering just above the ground. Terrified and in awe, Walton approached the strange craft, hoping to get a closer look. But as he got nearer, a powerful beam of light shot down from the UFO engulfing him and causing his fellow loggers to flee in panic, fearing for their lives. For the next five days, Travis Walton's disappearance captured the attention of the world. Authorities and skeptical individuals questioned the loggers' accounts, suspecting foul play or hoax. The story gained national media coverage and tensions ran high as everyone sought to unravel the truth. Then, just as suddenly as he vanished, Travis reappeared. Disoriented in a state of shock, recounting a tale that seemed impossible to believe. He claimed he had been taken aboard the alien craft, subjected to a series of bewildering medical examinations, and then he encountered beings unlike anything he had seen before. The Travis Walton abduction case sparked heated debates among UFO enthusiasts, skeptics, and researchers alike. Some dismissed it as a mere fabrication, while others saw it as compelling evidence of extraterrestrial contact. Throughout the years, Travis Walton's story remains consistent with polygraph tests supporting the authenticity of his experience. But the question remains, what really happened that fateful night in the Arizona wilderness? And we're going to take a look at what happened. We're going to take a look at some facts that you may not know about from this next article coming just right ahead of the Travis Walton uh, alien abduction case is probably the one, one of the most famous alien abduction cases, cases of all time. And I think, of course, it always bears studying. And I found this article from GrivyHistory.com. And the title says, 20 Chilling Facts You Never Knew About the Horrifying Alien Abduction of Travis Walton. It's written by Sarah Norman, dated August 2nd, 2023. Looks like fact number one, Travis Walton was a regular working man before he was abducted by aliens. And that's true. They were out cutting uh, logs that day in the forest there in Arizona. It says on November 5th, 1975, a group of loggers were driving home from a long day's work in the forest in northeastern Arizona when they stumbled upon an eerie sight. Hovering above the treetops was a glowing disc-shaped craft, and as they approached one of their crew, Travis Walton was struck by a beam of light and seemingly abducted by the craft. The story of, the Wal the story of Walton's alleged alien abduction was captured in the imaginations of millions and sparked intense debate over the years. Was it a hoax or hallucination, or did Walton really experience an encounter with extraterrestrial life? And then it goes on and talks a little bit about, about uh, the article. The second fact that they have uh, listed here says, The second fact they have listed is that Roswell, New Mexico, home of the famous 1947 UFO crash, is just one state away from where Travis Walton was abducted. So, of course, you have that right there. You have Arizona and next state over, New Mexico. So you're kind of in UFO territory, actually. It says, Walton and the group of loggers found themselves at the center of an event that would change their lives forever as they stared at the hovering dish-shaped craft. Their minds struggled to make sense of what their eyes were seeing. 
Despite the countless stories of UFO sightings that had circulated over the years, these hardworking loggers had never imagined they would bear witness to one themselves. The famous Roswell incident, which occurred just one state away in New Mexico, seemed like a distant legend, a story reserved for the pages of sensationalized magazines and tabloids. Yet, here they were, confronted with a reality that was as bizarre as it was terrifying. Here we have fact number three. Just an average group of guys in the 1970s, hardly the type to be targeted by alien beings. Now, it's got a picture of these seven guys here, and I'll put a link to this article on the Buy Me a Coffee website. Definitely 1970s. It says, Mike Rogers, Travis Walton's best friend and co-worker, was driving the truck. He stopped the vehicle when the men saw the spacecraft. But everyone stayed in the truck. Everyone, that is, except Travis Walton, who hopped out to investigate. Looking back, it's easy to wonder what might have been going through Travis's mind in that pivotal moment. Well, if you, you know, if you've got a group of guys, there's always one in every bunch. There's always the one that's got to go look. But in the midst of an experience that defied all rational explanation, the decision to investigate further may have seemed like the most logical and reasonable course of action. As we continue our exploration of this bizarre and captivating case, we delve deeper into the psychology and motivations of those involved, seeking to understand the complex factors that led to one of the most intriguing and controversial alien abduction stories of all times. They have fact number five. Travis says, I didn't appreciate the danger I was in. I think that's true for a lot of folks that come in contact with these things. I mean, you think about how technologically advanced they are and then ask yourself, do you really want to get close to it? Years later, Travis Walton, Mike Rogers, and John Goulet, another co-worker who was in the truck with them that night in 1975, sat on a panel at a UFO conference to field questions about their encounter. Walton was asked why he was the only one to exit the truck and approach the strange craft. He replied, I was awestruck and entranced by the beauty of the thing. I thought it would take off, but it didn't. I didn't appreciate the danger I was in. These things definitely, if you are up close to one of them, they can appear very beautiful. There's no doubt about that. It says the witness saw a blue-green light. And this is something, you know, when I had my experience, it was a very blue light. It, you just cannot describe uh, how enticing that light is. It just fills up every corner. And, you know, the combination, in my experience, there was a blue light on top of this thing. And then, a, you know, basically a white-yellow light coming down from it, like a, the brightest stage light you ever saw. There's something about that light that's just not explainable. I don't know, but it just it is captivating. And I can understand why Travis might have been drawn to this craft as he looked at this blue-green light he talks about. When Travis Walton approached the hovering saucer, he heard a high-pitched buzzing sound. Then suddenly a beam of light shot down from the craft and knocked him unconscious. And this was corroborated by Mike Rogers and the other men in the truck. They all witnessed an intense bluish-green beam of light engulfing their friend, and they saw him fall to the ground. Wow. Number six fact, Walton's friends sped away in fear. Who could blame them? Yeah, they did get out of there. This is the sort of thing you would expect, a very human reaction. Fear and adrenaline kicked in. Rogers hit the gas and sped away as fast as he could, with the other workers urging him to go even faster. But Walton was Rogers' best friend. About a mile away, he calmed down enough to turn the truck around and go back for his buddy. When the men arrived back at the clearing, both the spacecraft and Walton were gone. Later, Walton was asked how he felt when he learned that his best friend and co-workers deserted him. He responded that he would have done the same thing. Number seven, Travis Walton claimed he tried to fight his otherworldly attackers. According to Travis Walton, he was knocked out in the clearing in the woods and woke up in a space, and woke up in a space that reminded him of a hospital room. 
Three strange-looking creatures, short and bald, with large eyes, were watching over him. Walton said he tried to fight the three creatures so he could escape, but a humanoid creature wearing an odd helmet came into the room and immediately had a somewhat calming effect on Walton, but he was still paralyzed with fear. This is another account of these strange humanoid creatures that seem to be working with these things. Now, whether they're just previously kidnapped abductees or some sort of um, hybrid, we just don't know. Or maybe just an alien made to look like a human. Number eight, Travis Walton described both aliens and humans aboard the craft. And it says Travis Walton's description of the interior of the spacecraft and the details of what the aliens did to him are sparse. Walton claims that the human in the helmet led him to another room. There, three other creatures of unknown origin placed a clear plastic mask over his mouth and nose. I can't even imagine how terrifying that would be. After that, he has no further recollection of his time as an alien abductee. If there were any specific alien experiments performed, he has no memory of it, which is probably for the best. And then it says, what says number nine, Travis Walton was the first person reported to have been abducted by aliens while he was still missing. That's interesting. Mike Rogers, John Goulet, and the other witnesses reported the encounter and their missing friend to authorities. The police had a hard time believing their story. It was the 1970s, after all. They assumed the men had been doing drugs, had a bad trip, and their friend wandered off. Nonetheless, they launched a search for the missing Travis Walton using scent dogs and helicopters as well as boots on the ground. So even though the cops didn't really take the story at face value, they, they did the right thing and they sent out a search party immediately. Next fact, Mike Rogers and other witnesses were suspected of murdering Travis Walton. Well, you might think that. When Travis Walton was reported missing and his co-workers offered a fantastic, unbelievable story about his abduction, the authorities launched a massive manhunt for him. But they also questioned Mike Rogers, John Glute, and the others at the time. The working theory was that the other loggers had killed Walton, either intentionally or accidentally, and had and had invented the alien abduction tale to explain its absence. The police fully expected to find Walton's murdered body in the forest. Meanwhile, Rogers and the others were frantically trying to clear their names and find their missing friend. That must have been really hard on these guys. I mean, first off, your friend goes missing in, in, the, in the strangest way possible, and now you're being uh, uh, implicated in possibly murdering him. I think this is fact number 11. Travis Walton was returned to Earth after five days. This... This abduction went on for quite a while. The next thing Travis Walton remembers from his experience is standing on the side of a road with the spacecraft zooming away from him. He didn't know at the time, but he was in Herber, Arizona, and five days and six hours had passed since he was beamed from the UFO. He has no memory of anything after he was rendered unconscious by the three humans. None of these memories have ever returned, leading Walton to theorize that he was unconscious the entire time. So... You hear that this guy, he, he just finds himself deposited along the side of the road, just like we see with so many of these cattle mutilation cases where they seem to be randomly dropped down, or people in these national park uh, missing people cases. Sometimes the, uh, the individuals are still alive. Usually they're dead, and we find their bodies often miles from where they were last seen at, just discarded. And here, Travis finds himself standing along the side of the road after being Having He doesn't even remember what done to him, but he knows it was an alien spaceship. And very strange that he remembers three humans during this whole uh, terrible uh, abduction. It says bloodhounds couldn't detect Tra Travis Wallace's trail. That's a fact. Remember those scent dogs that were used to break Walt, that 
Remember those scent dogs that were used to track Walton? They were unable to pick up Walton's trail from the clearing and unable to pick up his trail leading to his reappearance on the road in Herbert. The dog's handlers tried to get the animals to follow Walton's trail backwards, assuming he had been hiding out somewhere, but there was no trail for the dogs to follow. It was like Walton was plucked off the ground in one location and plopped down in another, which is exactly what he claimed happened. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Then it says, was it all a big hoax? After Travis Walton returned from his alleged abduction and told his story, he faced skepticism at every turn. Officials claimed that Walton made up the whole incident so he could make money from selling a story. The local sheriff claimed that Walton, along with his brother and mother, were all longtime students of UFOs. And folks assumed that Walton was such a UFO fan that he wanted to be part of the alien story. So, of course, you just ignore the facts and accuse the guy of being a liar. And then it says, uh, there's another fact, the witness took lie detector test and passed. Yeah, I knew that. But there was also evidence to support Travis Walton's story. All of the other men in the truck that night who all saw the UFO witnessed Walton's encounter with it took polygraph tests. All of them passed except one man and his results were deemed inconclusive. Now, having seen one of these things at work, the guy could have just been nervous. I don't know. Additionally, Walton was not a publicity seeker by nature. In fact, he hated the media circus that resulted from his alien abduction. He was not a likely candidate to perpetuate a hoax like this. He wasn't the type of person searching for fame. No, he was just out cutting trees down in the timber. Now, it says uh, another fact here. Barney and Betty Hill were abducted by aliens in 1961. Did their story inspire Travis Walton? I'm not going to go over the Barney and Betty Hill story. We uh, we know that I've done podcasts on it, but that, of course, was mentioned by some people. Hey, maybe maybe that's what you know got these guys thinking about that. I kind of doubt it. That would have been 10 years prior anyway. And it says, Travis Walton published a book about his abduction. Uh, yes, I'm aware of that. Uh, it says here, Travis Walton wrote a book about the UFO encounter he had led, that had led to his five-day abduction. He titled his book, which was published in the nineteen seven, which was published in nineteen seventy eight, The Walton Experience. In nineteen ninety three, Tracy Torme adapted the book into a screenplay, and it was made into a movie, Fire in the Sky, directed by Robert Lieberman. Yeah, he did have a movie made up, which is pretty interesting, I think, as well. It talks about the movie, and the it says the movie Fire in the Sky was adapted from Travis Walton's book, and we're aware of that movie. Um, it says here that it grossed $19.9 million, but the, film's, but the film critics' approval was split. You know, you're just not going to get a good reviews on a, on a biographical alien abduction story. But at least they got the movie out there. Now, it says Travis Walton with his book, and he's, he's got his book, Travis, here in Fire in the Sky, Sky. They go on to say the scientific community has long dismissed Travis Walton's story as a hoax or the product of power of deception and self-deception, yet there are others who believe Travis Walton. They point to other alien abduction stories with similar details. His critics say that the fact that Walton wrote a book and has profited from his story is proof that it was a hoax. But his supporters say that it's only natural that Walton would want to share his terrifying and otherworldly story to let others know what happened to him. Well, of course. And then we get down here to the end. It says, people are still not sure if they should believe Travis Walton's story or not. Several television programs that feature strange stories and incidents of alien encounters have covered Travis Walton's chilling story. He has been interviewed by Larry King, Joe Rogan, and others. Walton is an occasional guest at UFO conventions where he shares his stories with fans. He even sponsors his own UFO conference called the Skyfire Summit. And then finally, the very last fact that it brings out is that it says, Does Travis Walton's experience prove that we aren't ready for the truth? Well, maybe in a way. 
Travis Walton's 1978 book, The Walton's Experience, has a Goodreads of 3.8. In the book, he recounts how he was treated when he reappeared from his ordeal. And then he says people were, you know, upset and angry with him. Some people uh, just, you know, they accused him of being liars. He says it would have been easier. He it would have been easier. He claims if he had just kept the incident to himself, but he knew it was too important not to share it with the world. He didn't expect to be branded a liar to have his story to have his every decision used against him to to prove him a hoax. He concluded that the world wasn't ready to grapple with the implications of his experience that aliens exist and are visiting our planet. Well, yeah, a lot of people probably aren't. They aren't able to. First off, just digest the story of Travis Walton. Of course, it's been almost 50 years now since this happened. And the fact that he's held up to multiple polygraph tests, the fact that he was missing for five days, the fact that other people are there to corroborate his testimony, it seems clear that one of these things visited, that Travis got too close, and then it just sucked him up on board the same way it would have a, a, a free-range cow or whatever else got in its way. Lucky for Travis, uh, he was put back here alive. Now, whether that's because they've signed some sort of treaty, you know, back 50, 60 years ago with the United States saying, hey, you can take people, but you can't kill them. Whether this is just some sort of universal law where they're not allowed to kill people, even though they do do that occasionally. Who knows? It wouldn't seem that they're here to really help people. They certainly haven't shared the cure for cancer. They certainly haven't uh, eliminated uh, the threat of nuclear war. They certainly haven't uh, unleashed uh, knowledge and technology that could uh, provide clean energy, uh, save mankind. Uh, we're not sitting around the, fire, the campfire uh, singing Kumbaya with these guys. So I do believe that, that Travis Walton had an experience. I do believe he was abducted. And I don't believe that whatever it was that abducted him, uh, really cared at all about Travis Walton. There's something he had they needed. There's some information that they were able to derive out of him. They basically treated him like a, uh, a lab rat, but for some unexplained reason, he was lucky enough to be placed back along that uh, lonely uh, country road, uh, basically unharmed and without too many memories of the uh, just crazy episode that he'd just gone through, this alien abduction of Travis Walton. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.